chance to give the kids a chance to run through their rehearsal. That's a blessing to all the parents involved so they don't have to make an extra trip for a rehearsal. So thank you for forbearing with one another, just like it says in Colossians 3.13. We want to practice that. So we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 in just a minute. We want to start with prayer first. Um, Tom, would you please lead us? Just to review what we saw in the first part of Hebrews 10, um, what are some of the contrasts between the old system of sacrifices and Christ's sacrifices? At least three that are mentioned in chapter 10. Christ's sacrifices once for all time. Okay, very good. So the old sacrifices were repeated. Time after time, Christ is once for all. Very good. What else? Animal blood couldn't actually take away sins, and Christ's sacrifice can. Okay, it actually took it away, not just a temporary covering. Good. Anything else? sacrifices, just one, and the, all those sacrifices could not make perfect, complete, not lacking anything necessary, the worshiper could perfect our conscience, and now one offering perfected for all time. So just a massive difference between the old and the new, which made the old obsolete. Um, why can we hold fast our confidence of hope? What's the reason given in Hebrews 10? That very direct cause of God effect. keeps his promises. Right, he is faithful. Very good, very good, Lois. Um, what does the word consider mean, and what are we to consider? So I'll start with what does the word consider mean? It's a thought process. It's yeah, it's a thinking. thought. Go ahead, Tom. Just thinking, pondering. Yeah. So stop and think, be intentional about it, don't just wing it. 
And what are we supposed to be intentional about? Stirring up one another to love and good works. Right. So we tend to lag left to ourselves. We need to be stirred up like a fire in the fireplace or on the fire pit. And uh, we do that for each other, not just for ourselves. Like, oh, I should stir that up in myself, which you should, but this is part of the one anothering that the New Testament talks about this. We do this for each other. How important is it for us to meet together as believers? Just optional? Okay, that was a dumb yes-no question. Sorry. Judy, you were on top of that. Very definite. Very definite. So, so important. God says don't miss it. Don't miss out on it in Hebrews 10, 25. So here's one we didn't get to last week, and I really would like your input. How would you encourage someone who has gotten in the habit of forsaking fellowship with the church family? I think we all know at least a few we've come up with that... You know, they just start missing a little bit, and then they're in the habit of missing and content to not be in fellowship. So how do you speak the truth in love? How do you graciously get it across that that's so important? God says not to forsake eating together. How, how would you do that? Just invite them to church. Invite them? Okay. Other thoughts on what do we do with someone who's kind of Tanya? I think that's a great idea. And also just invite them to coffee or invite them to your home or just try to make a connection to them personally and then pray that God will open the opportunity to keep including them. Hmm. Any other thoughts? that might be helpful to encourage someone who's kind of gotten out of the habit of being together with God's people. Could just tell them you miss seeing and talking to them. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well. So when we actually are together, uh, what are we called to do? between the day, which is the reference to Christ's return, and encouraging one another all the more, or more and more. So why, why do we have an uptick in our encouragement level beyond what we're currently doing in light of future events? What, how does that connect? 
closer. And what does that entail? Tougher times are. Tougher times. Remember Matthew 24? Many are going to fall away. The love of many will grow cold. People will want to kill you. I mean, it's going to get rough and rougher and rougher as we get closer and closer. And so that's why we need that much more encouragement <laughs> because the, it's going to be closing in on us more and more. And so we need each other to help one another to persevere because remember, encouragement is God's appointed means to help us persevere in faith. We saw that in Hebrews 3. Remember? See to it that not any of you falls, um, has an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. That's apostasy. That's deconstructing. But, what's the remedy? Encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, which Kyle reminded us is every day that ends in Y. So that, here's the outcome, none of you are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, uh, as Dr. Piper put it, eternal security is a community project. God has ordained that we encourage one another as a means of preserving one another in faith. So, perseverance of the faith is through God's preservation, and one of the means of preservation is mutual encouragement when the, God's people are together. That makes sense? So we need to up our game on encouragement because we're a week closer than we were last week to Christ's return. Right? Remember Romans 13, Paul says, now is the day of redemption even closer than when you first believed. So the clock's ticking. Events are still in play. Uh, we may or may not be in the, the generation of when the Lord returns, but we're to assume we are and live that way, and that includes encouraging each other even more than we have been doing. All right, any comments or questions on what we covered so far in Chapter 10? All right, well, let's finish the chapter, Lord willing. Maybe we'll finish it. Uh, let's only read 26 through 31. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So what should we think, or what should those who know but reject the truth expect in the future? And just, again, that phrase is, is, reminds me of those who are deconstructing. Just uh, The Gettys actually have a song um, uh, that I heard on Pandora this week, and it's, it's a hymn to a friend who's deconstructing. Uh, hmm. I wouldn't have thought to write a song a friend who's deconstructing, so good for you. But again, it's a thing. We all know at least one or more people that are in that process. And here, I mean, we've talked about some very gracious, gentle kinds of things to do. And the author of Hebrews also has another <laughs> kind of approach to people in that situation. And, and what is it that they should expect if they continue that route? Judge. 
So the, out, the end, end of it is not good. Okay? You're in that process and you don't come out of it. <laughs> you don't come back around to faith. Um, it's, it's, you know, 27. A ter- my version, a terrifying expectation of judgment. Terrifying. <coughs> so why is this so serious? Well, let's look at the f- three phrases in 29. There's people that are doing 26 are guilty of the three things in 29. So what's the first one? So a few years ago, um, I had a, an article I clipped out. Um, a student at Florida Atlantic University, sometimes you see them at March Madness, they show up, the basketball team. Uh, a student in one of the classes at that school, um, the class was supposed to write the name Jesus on a piece of paper and then step on it with their feet. And he refused to do it good for him. But the author is basically, that imagery is instead of honoring Jesus as the blessed son of God, they treat him with utter contempt. If you step on the name of Jesus with your feet, you're like, that's utter contempt. And the author says, if you turn away after having knowledge of the truth, you're just stepping all over Jesus. So that's strike one. What's strike two? So it, it can go two ways, either profaned or um, regard as unclean. But So instead of regarding the blood of Christ, remember what Peter calls blood of Christ? The precious blood of a lamb without spot. The blood of Christ is precious, and they are regarding it as ordinary at best, if you have the word profane, or unacceptable at worst, which is unclean. But either way, it's not seeing Jesus' blood. The only thing that has taken away sin that we saw in 8, 9, and 10 as no big deal instead of precious. And then what's the strike three? Outrage the Spirit. Okay. Outrage or insult the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of grace. Um, To insult, at least the word I have, is to treat with insolence, indignity, or contempt. So their hearts are hard and resistant to the Holy Spirit. They're defying the Holy Spirit. So that's why what's waiting is the terrifying expectation of judgment. You can't do those things and get off scot-free. God in his holiness will judge that. How many Americans do you think take verse 31 seriously, including professing Christians? It, my again says, it is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. So like Jonathan Edwards, so somebody would say that's all with the Old Testament. And here it is in the New Testament, right after the cross and full redemption and perfect sacrifices, once for all, all these 
marvelous gospel truths, here's this sentence. It's a terrifying thing to follow the hands of a guy. So why do you think the average American, including a professing Christian, might not take that verse very seriously? Well, the God I believe in would never judge anyone. Or my God, you know, would never send anybody to hell. And you're right, your God might not. But matters is, what does the real God that exists, that's revealed himself in the Bible, say? And among other things, along with he loves us and he sent his only son because he loved the world, and all those true things. So again, we're not going to take away the love of God. just want to make sure we define it carefully and also say, God is holy, God is just, and there are consequences for defying him and rejecting him. It's not just a free pass and everybody goes to heaven in the end because God's uh, an easygoing God. No, he's holy and will judge, and, and we need to take it seriously and not just write it off as, a, well, it's just Old Testament, or God has changed, or God is mellowed out over time. He used to be that way, but you know, it's kind of gotten softer and kinder and gentler than it used to be. God is unchangeable. He's always been just. He's always been holy. He's always been love. Old Testament and New Testament. <laughs> and verses like this just come out as, and like, whoa, don't forget, that's still true. <laughs> Whether most Americans believe it or not, or most professing believers believe it or not, it's still truth uh, about God that we need to incorporate in our understanding of who God is and how he deals with people. Any 
questions or comments on that, Shelley? of awe and reverence. It's called the fear of the Lord is what you're describing. Right. Kurt. Um, also, Jonathan Edwards had a classic sermon, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, mm -hmm. where they used that verse in Hebrews along with many others. Right. So back in the day, at least that was in a lot of uh, standard English lit books uh, as a sampling. And of course, the typical reaction was, can you believe anybody would believe a God like this? Wow. Are they backwards 200 years ago in the 1700s? Uh, we've come a long way. <laughs> well, I, I think Edwards is a bit harsh in that one myself. I've read it. Maybe you've had a chance to read it. It's, it's pretty strong, uh, but it's not any stronger than 1031, <laughs> right? So whether, whatever you happen to think of Jonathan Edwards, we still have to deal with Hebrews 1031. Tanya.
the second half is correct. You're on the line. It's actually Romans 12. Good guess, though. Romans 12. And let's read 17 through 19. Let's have you read that. sure. Um, New Testament quotes, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. And the reason it's quoted is to help us in the fight of faith against vengeance. Isn't that interesting? So a very human reaction that we still have even as believers. Someone hurts you, you want to hurt them back in some way. Someone takes a little verbal dig, you want to say a snarky remark back. Someone neglects you, you think, meh, I'll neglect you, I'll cancel you. You know, it's all, my heart's there, your heart's there, we still have that fight because people keep wronging us in this fallen world. And we keep wronging other people too, but for a believer, we know what this feels like to want to have that urge to even the score in some way. They shouldn't get away without something to let them know this wasn't okay. Right? So Paul says, I get that. You wouldn't write this verse if, if we didn't have, if that was, uh, we were immune from that now that we're believers. We just live in a bubble and nobody ever hurts us or offends us or wrongs us or says something unkind. Now, I like to live in that world, but that comes later <laughs> in the new heaven and new earth. Not now. And so he says, okay, that's going to happen. Don't take your own revenge. But you leave room for the wrath of God. Is there enough wrath? (laughs) Then he quotes this verse that Hebrews quotes from the Old Testament. So, again, borrowing heavily from Dr. Piper, when somebody wrongs me, if they're a believer, that wrong was paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. So full payment has already been made for that sin against me. If they're an unbeliever and never repent, that that sin will be paid for in hell. But either way, that sin is going to be paid. And so I don't have to repay it because God will take care of it. And that's how Paul argues, so don't take your own revenge. Let God take care of that person. Let God take care of evening the score, either on the cross or in hell. But either way, nothing will go unsettled, no accounts will be unbalanced, everything will get sorted out and set right in the end. So I can rest in that, leave it to God, and move on. So that verse, even though, again, it sounds like it has some edge to it, is actually meant to encourage us as believers how to fight the fight of faith against people wronging us. So any comments or questions on that? Ooh, good, good. We're, we're saying God. 
Any other thoughts on this section? I have one from back here. Where is that? Oh, <laughs> on the floor, yes. <laughs> So, and that actually goes along with Proverbs 19.11, is the glory of a man to overlook an offense. In other words, choose not to be offended. Or 1 Peter 4 and James talks about love covers a multitude of sins. Just chalk it up to, okay. <laughs> I love that person, I'm going to... Put a little tally mark on, oh, there's another one against me. There's another one. There's another one. Love just covers that. I choose not to be offended. I let love cover it. And obviously sometimes it just plain comes down to forgiveness as an act of the will because I've been forgiven by God through Christ. But a lot of little stuff could probably get handled before we get to that, right? Just not make everything a big deal. <laughs> We save ourselves a lot of grief. Don't sweat the small stuff. There you go. Wasn't that the name of a book, Lois? Yeah. Yeah. And then part two is everything small stuff, right? <laughs> Any other Take thoughts? Your battles, you know. It's, it's yeah, choose what hell you want to die on. I just told that to somebody you yesterday. Do that with your kids. You do that with your coworkers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts? Well, that is probably a good spot to leave off on because the next section is a little bit different, kind of shifts gears to a different setting. So, uh, Lord willing, then we'll save the rest of 10 and maybe the first part of 11 for next Sunday. So we will have Sunday school next Sunday. It's Christmas Eve day, but not Christmas day. So if you're able to come join us again next Sunday for Sunday school, we'll be here. So let's close in prayer. Kurt, would you close this, please?